Welcome to the Overflow Podcast. We pray you are encouraged by this message. For more info, notes, or other messages, visit our website at overflowdfw.com. We are doing this in typical 2020 fashion. We've learned to do things, to be a little bit more flexible, and just to do things a little bit different. And if you know anything about church, you know that really we have two big events every year that we celebrate as church. One is Easter, and the other is Christmas. And we we feel like, most church leaders kind of feel like that that's been robbed from us a little bit. But really, Easter still remains. Jesus is still alive. And Jesus still came on the earth. So, so Christmas and Easter, regardless of what a church service looks like, they are still intact. But Christmas does look a little bit different, just like Easter looked a little bit different. He said, why are you talking about Easter? What does is, what is Easter have to do with Christmas? And I would suggest this. It has everything to do with Christmas because if Jesus was only born and he died, that Christmas is merely inspirational. But because he was resurrected, Christmas is transformational. And so Christmas is transformational because Jesus not just came on the earth, but Jesus is alive today. He still reigns and he's still here. He's still present because he is alive. And I would suggest this morning that the resurrection story And the reason why we're talking about it today is we're completing our campaign through the book of Mark. It's been 16 weeks. It's been nuts. How are we going to tie in the resurrection story with Christmas? I would suggest this to you today, that the resurrection story feels a lot like the Easter story. It feels the same. It feels a lot alike. And so today, that's what I want to talk about. I want to talk about how it feels like Christmas. Does Does it feel like Christmas? For me, it does. It still feels like Christmas, even in the midst of COVID, even in the midst of the mess and having to shut our church down for a couple of weeks here. It still feels like Christmas. Do you have the Christmas feels? Mariah, my daughter and I, last year, it was we, we have a, a, stir, a, a stern stance on we don't start celebrating Christmas till after Thanksgiving. I know, I know, whatever. But it's not because we're bah humbug or anything like that. It's simply because we just love Thanksgiving. And so Mariah and I, we're, I, I want to say it was the Saturday or the Sunday before Thanksgiving. And we're like pretty religious. Like we don't get into the Christmas thing until we don't decorate or anything until after Thanksgiving. And so Mariah and I are walking around Target and there's Christmas stuff and there's a little Christmas song. I don't remember what the song was. And I look at Mariah and she looks at me and she goes, do you feel that? I was like, yes. I was like, it feels like Christmas. And it was it was before time. And so it still felt like Christmas. And I think the resurrection story feels like Christmas. It's a little bit different, but it's still Christmas. It's, it's still Christmas. And what, what, what we studied here in Mark is that Mark kind of skips the Christmas narrative. He jumps right into the action with John the Baptist. We talked about that in week one. But as we finish here today, I, I, I want to talk a little bit how the resurrection story does, in fact, feel like Christmas. Let's look at it. Mark chapter 16, verse 1. It says, When the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome brought spices. Now, this is, the, this is Mary the mother of James. is also Mary the mother of Jesus. And so it says this, that they were there. So it's interesting. She's there. In the birth story, obviously giving birth, and here she is at the resurrection story. 
And so they're there to anoint him. They don't expect Jesus to be risen. They expect him to be dead. So they're going to take care of his dead body. And at the very end of the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. And they were saying to one another, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? In other words, we're just a couple of women. We need, we need some help. Who's going to take care of this? And looking up, they saw that the stone had already been rolled back. It was very large. Interesting. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe, and they were alarmed. And he said to them, don't be alarmed. Don't freak out. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who is crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where you laid him. But go tell his disciples and Peter. Go tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee. And there you will see him just as he told you. Just like he said. What I I found about Jesus is he always does what he says he's going to do. And he told them this, and they didn't believe him. And so the angel had to tell him, he told you. See, I told you. And they went out and fled from the tomb, for trembling and astonishment had seized them. So they're freaking out. And they had nothing. They said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. The resurrection story feels like Christmas. How? Well, first of all, the resurrection story also has a Mary and a Joseph. Now, we, now in, in chapter 15, we, we end that narrative with this guy named Joseph of Arimathea. And he provided the grave for Jesus to be born in. Joseph of Arimathea took care of the body of Christ. I want to be like Joseph. I want to take care of the body of Christ. So he takes the body and he puts the body in the grave. And then we see Mary, not just one Mary, but actually two Marys here. A different Joseph but one of the same Marys here. So there's Mary and Joseph. Another thing that we see is a repurposed place, a repurposed place. We know in the Christmas narrative, we know that Jesus was born in a barn. Most theologians, most scholars believe that it was probably more like a cave, similar to a grave in those days, but it was a repurposed place. So one was a a place for feeding animals, taking care of animals, Another was a borrowed cave meant for someone else. It was a repurposed place. The third thing that we see in this story is it's full of surprises. Obviously, Mary was surprised. (laughs) Come on. Joseph was really surprised. Come on. If I'm Joseph, I'm like, what? She's like, the Lord did it. I've had a lot of people say the Lord did it. The Lord said, and I was like, probably felt like Joseph did that day. Mm, Sure. Surprise, surprise. A full womb and an empty tomb. Surprise, surprise. The tomb is empty, just like he said. I think it probably felt like Christmas morning when they showed up for that surprise. Remember when you were a kid, or if you're a kid watching, you know how excited. I'm still as an adult. I get so excited. I can't sleep the night before. I'm so excited about Christmas. I'm so excited that there is going to be something that will surprise me. I remember one, one of the Christmases that I remember so well is we didn't have a lot of money growing up. And uh, I remember we would get the, the Montgomery Wards or the Sears catalog. And we would go, some of y'all don't even know, what is a catalog? It was like a big fat book. It had pictures of it and showed you how much the money was. And I remember looking through that. I was probably 11 or 12 years old. 
old. And I remember there were two things I wanted for Christmas that year, but they were both big gifts. So I knew I probably wasn't going to get both. So we had, there was this guitar that was in the the, the Sears catalog, a guitar that didn't get much use. I didn't learn to play guitar at that point, but it was a guitar and it came with an amplifier and it was like a hundred bucks. So I knew if I was going to get that, that was probably going to be all I was going to get. And the other thing I wanted was a stereo called an Iowa, A-I-W-A. I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right, but they were kind of like in the, in the 80s, they were kind of like one of the hot stereos. And I remember I wanted both. And I remember waking up on Christmas morning thinking, man, which one am I going to get? And my mom worked her tail off to provide for us boys, and she provided for me both of those gifts. And I don't know how she did it. I don't know where the money came from, but she wanted to make sure that I was fulfilled. I remember I was so surprised that day, and Christmas is full of surprises, and these women are experiencing a surprise. You know, we sing that song, that Christmas song. It says, a thrill of hope. A weary world rejoices. How how appropriate for this time in 2020. A weary world can rejoice. Why? Because on that glorious morn, not just that Jesus was born, but on that glorious morning that the Marys went to the grave and they show up. Oh, the glorious morn. A bright, breaking new day. Not just because the Messiah came and he's here, but because they show up to an empty grave a full womb and an empty tomb. Good surprises. The fourth thing that we see in the Christmas story is there's angels present, right? We know angels showed up. They showed up to Mary, showed up to Joseph. They showed up to shepherds. The angels showed up, heralding angels in Luke chapter two, saying he is here. And the Marys had this encounter with an angel, a resurrection angel saying he's not here. So we have one angel saying he's here. Another angel saying he's not here. The fifth thing that we see that feels like Christmas in the resurrection story is we see fear and assurance. Fear and assurance. We remember the angel comforting Mary in Luke chapter 1, verse 30. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. And He will be great, and he'll be called the Son of the Most High God. The Lord will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever, and his kingdom will know no end. What is happening? I'm troubled. And she gets comforted by an angel, fear and assurance. And then again, this same Mary shows up in an empty grave. What do they do with the body of my son? said to them, do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. He is risen. risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. He's not dead anymore. I know that you have fear. I know that you feel like Jesus isn't where you want him to be, but I'm telling you, he is there. He is here to assure you. Fear and assurance. The next thing that we see in this story is the good news spreads. The good news spreads. Spreads. It says in Luke chapter 2, verse 17, it says, when they, when they had seen him, the shepherds, they spread the word concerning him, what had been told to them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. What were they doing? They were spreading the good news. They were spreading the word. That's what we've been talking about in this series, spreading the good, good news, spreading the good news. This was the best news those shepherds ever heard. The Messiah was finally here. Finally what's been prophesied about. He's here. They went and they shared the news. 
And then we see in Mark chapter 16, verse 7, but go tell the disciples and Peter, the good news spread. Go tell the disciples and Peter that he's going before you to Galilee. I love it how they include that. Go tell the disciples and Peter. Because Peter's been having it rough, if you remember. Peter, Peter actually denied Jesus three times. So I love that the Lord is also going to assure Peter, Peter, I know you blew it, but I want you to know I was good for my word. I'm alive. I'm still here. I'm not in the grave anymore. Go tell the disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee. Sometimes I'm like Peter. You know, the, the news is good. I'm glad everybody else got the news, but sometimes I want to be and Josh. Make sure you tell Josh. You might need to single him out. You might need to put, yeah, he is. I, I know I just told everybody, but I'm telling you, sometimes I need that assurance. There you will see him, just as he told you. And then they went out and fled to the tomb, trembling in astonishment and seized them. And they said nothing to anyone, so they were afraid. So we see, hey, go tell everybody. And they're like, no, we're not going to tell anybody. We're scared. And then what we see in verse 9 is that Jesus appears to Mary Magdalene. And he says this, listen, I'm here. And then what she does after the encounter, come on. So sometimes, sometimes it takes an encounter to be obedient. So she heard it from the angel, but she needed to hear it from the Lord himself. And sometimes I'm like that. I don't know that that's a quality. But sometimes I just need to encounter the Lord. So Jesus appears to her in verse 9. She goes and tells, but they don't believe her. And then Jesus appears to the 12, to the, or to two disciples on the road to Emmaus. He's like, go tell them. And they go tell the other disciples. And guess what? They don't believe them. So then Jesus appears to the rest of the disciples. The unbelieving disciples, he appears. And then they believe him. They believe Jesus because of their encounter, but he rebukes them for their unbelief. Then they believe. Then they believe. Sometimes sometimes the encounter we need comes with a rebuke. We think it's always just going to be, hey, the Lord's just affirming me. Sometimes it's a rebuke. Sometimes a rebuke is what I need, especially if I'm in unbelief. So it says this in verse 15. We know Mark chapter 16, verse 15. He said to them, go into all the world and proclaim. They spread the news. Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel. That's what this whole series has been about. It's been about the gospel. It's been about the gospel going forward. It's been about this man, Jesus, who shows up in Mark chapter 1, and he's declaring this message, the good, good news. He's saying, I got the gospel. I've got the good news. And we know that if you continue to read in Mark chapter 16, it says that signs and wonders followed them. Signs and wonders will follow those that believe. It's interesting that when Jesus was born, they followed the signs and wonders. But whenever we come to Jesus, when we believe in him, that signs and wonders follow us. So how do we respond? How do we respond to this good news? How do we respond to this message of of Easter being kind of tucked away, this, this thread of Easter being weaved into the story of Christmas? First of all is this, just believe the news. Will you believe the news or will you be like those that doubted, that got rebuked? And the news is this, it's the best gift that we can receive. See, receiving the news 
that Jesus brought is the best gift that we can receive. It's the message of Christmas. It's the message of the incarnation of Christ that God, who always was, became a man, took on flesh. The eternal takes on mortality, only to be reclothed with immortality through the resurrection so that mere mortals can take on immortality. So Jesus, I love the way C.S. Lewis says it. He says that, that, G, that God became a man, the Son of God became a man, so the sons of men can become sons of God, so that we can become children of God. See, the greatest Christmas gift that you could ever receive is unchanged. It's always been the best gift. It's been the best gift for 2,000 years. It's Jesus. The greatest gift that you can receive is Jesus and his gospel. We talked about this in week one, but that evangelion, that is that, is that Greek word, that Greek word for gospel, that Greek word for news, the, the, the Greek word of what was being spread was the gospel, was that soldier who was running back, that messenger that came from the battle line with that message, raising his flag, waving the banner, saying, evangelion, I've got news for the battle lines. It's been won. We're winning the war. And this is what Jesus shows up in Mark chapter 1, waving that banner of victory, saying, the gospel is here. The king is here. We are winning the war. And then what he says is, he says, listen, now you are the declarers of this gospel. See, Jesus isn't preaching the gospel anymore. We've received the gospel that he preached. Now we preach this gospel. So we respond, number one, by believing the news. Secondly, by spreading the news. See, the best gift that you can give this Christmas is the gift of the gospel, the gift of Jesus. The best thing that you can say to somebody this year isn't season, season's greetings or even Merry Christmas. The best thing that you can tell somebody this year is that Jesus is alive. It's the good news. He came. It's great that he came. But if all he did is come, we just have an inspirational story. But because he came and died and lives again, we have a transformational story. Because he is alive today, we have good, good news. He's not in the grave anymore. So now we're the ones with that flag, waving that flag, that victory flag, saying, Jesus defeated death, hell, and the grave. Jesus defeated your shame. Jesus defeated the stronghold of sin in your life. He took it to the grave and he left it there. And he's offering you new life today. Will you pray with me? Father, we thank you so much for giving us the gift of Jesus and the gift of his gospel. Lord, we are not ashamed of you or your gospel. Lord, we wave that banner this Christmas, not just celebrating the birth of the coming King, but Lord, this Christmas we celebrate the resurrected living Christ and his gospel. 
See, you can't do anything in your efforts to be made right with God. I need to get right with God. Maybe that's what you're thinking today. I need to get right with God. I need to, listen, you can't do anything to get right with God. Only Jesus can make you right with God. And the, the only way that you can get that in right standing with God is to receive the gift that Jesus provided for you. The gift not of just his appearing, but the gift of his suffering, the gift of his dying, and the gift of his resurrection life. He said this. He said that I am the resurrection and the life. You need resurrection today. You need forgiveness. You need shame to be removed from your life. Are you bound in sickness? disease? Are you caught up in bondage? I'm telling you today, we serve a risen king who sets the captives free. And today, he wants to set you free. I just want you to pray a simple prayer with me today. Just say, dear Jesus, I believe that you came, that you died, that you defeated death, and you rose from the dead. And I believe that you are the risen king. And Lord, I want to give my life to you. I want to give my life for you. I want to live the rest of my life as a gift back to you. You gave it all. So today I surrender all. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Listen, if you prayed that today for the first time, please let us know. We would love to to gather information from you. We'd love to connect with you. We'd love to talk with you about that decision. It's the the greatest gift that you'll ever receive. Some of you, you've, you've come back to God. Maybe you've known the Lord and you've grown distant. But today you said, you know what? I'm ready to come back to the Lord. I'm ready to come home to the Lord. Let us know. We would love to help you. We would love to help you with that process. 